Hello and welcome to Connecting the Pieces, an Easter Sector Development Team podcast focused on connecting, supporting and promoting good diversity, wellness and reablement approaches. We'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of the land where this podcast is recorded and pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging and any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening. Today, we're going to delve into the importance and impact of a human rights-based approach, which is intrinsically linked to previous episodes focused on inclusive practice, wellness and strength-based approach. So we're going to explore the essence of a rights-based approach, its significance for older people and how it aligns with aged care reform and the strengthened quality standards. So let's jump right in by establishing a shared understanding about what exactly a rights-based approach is. Dale, can you help us out with that? Thanks, Lisa. A rights-based approach centres on recognising and upholding the fundamental human rights of individuals, and that's irrespective of their age. It emphasises that all people are entitled to dignity, respect, equitable outcomes, and the full realisation of their rights. So to put it simply, a rights-based approach recognises that all people have inherent rights that must be respected, protected and fulfilled. Dale, you mentioned their fundamental human rights. Can you explain what these might include? Yeah, sure. I guess fundamental rights include things like the right to life, equality, non-discrimination, freedom from abuse and neglect, access to healthcare, social protections, participation in decision-making and many others. That's great. Thanks, Dale. And I suppose the other thing that might be really helpful for our listeners is to understand how these rights are linked to international and domestic rights-based frameworks. Certainly. Well, our listeners might be familiar with the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which was adopted in 1948. This is a foundation document that recognises the inherent dignity and equal rights of all individuals. Additionally, the International Convent of Economic, Social and Cultural Rights and the Convention of the Rights of Persons with Disabilities are vital treaties that affirm the rights to health, social security, non-discrimination, and protection from exploitation, all of which are pertinent to aged care and the clients that we work with within the aged care system. The department has certainly indicated that the latter two will be referenced on the face of the new Aged Care Act. So we can be assured that the new act is linked to national and also international rights-based instruments. Thanks, Dale. That's a great overview. So we're talking about human rights. How would you describe these rights within the context of aged care and for older people? For older people, a rights-based approach places the person at the forefront, and it's really about empowering them to make choices and decisions that affect their lives while holding governments and institutions, so our service providers, and their staff accountable for safeguarding these rights. It's also about ensuring access to the necessary support services that older people might need. Specifically, it ensures that older people are treated with dignity, have control over their lives, 
and actively involved in decision-making processes regarding their care. And Dale, how would you respond to people who say, well, the fundamental rights apply to all individuals, so why is a rights-based approach particularly important for older people more specifically? Yeah, that's a great question, Lisa. And I think we know that older people face discrimination based on their age. We know that they may also experience stereotypes and negative attitudes and unequal treatment in various aspects of their life, whether that be employment, healthcare, or social services. For example, there can be assumptions that older people need to be wrapped in cotton wool and that others should be making decisions for them. Contrary to this, a rights-based approach recognises and supports their autonomy and independence, allowing them to participate actively in decisions that affect them. It essentially challenges ageism and promotes equality, ensuring that older people are treated with dignity, respect, and are free from discrimination. Absolutely, Dale. Equally, we know that older people may be more vulnerable to abuse, neglect, or exploitation, and a rights-based approach emphasises the protection of older people from such harm, and it ensures that appropriate safeguards are in place. It encourages awareness, prevention, and effective responses to elder abuse, safeguarding older people's rights and their well-being. Thanks, Dale. These are really great examples of why a rights-based approach in aged care is so very important. Are there any other examples that come to mind? Yeah, absolutely. Older people have a right to be included in society. You know, that's not a shocking thing. It's something that we want at all stages of our life. And they want and need to be able to participate fully in their community and in that life. A rights-based approach promotes their social inclusion by creating age-friendly environments, providing access to services and opportunities, and fostering intergenerational connections. It recognises the value of people's contribution and ensures their active participation in society. And of course, older people often have specific health care and sometimes social service needs due to age-related conditions or disabilities. And a rights-based approach highlights the importance of ensuring equitable access to quality care and support services. It advocates for person-centered respect for older people's choices and the provision of adequate resources to meet their needs. So I think there's just a few more examples of why a rights-based approach is so important for older people. Thanks, Dale. That's a really comprehensive response. And I think it's it's worth summarising. We might say a rights-based approach for older people is really essential to combat ageism, to uphold their fundamental rights, to promote their autonomy and participation within the community, to prevent abuse and neglect, and ensure equitable accesses to services. So primarily it's about recognising, you know, the unique challenges and needs faced by older people. And the rights-based approach really seeks to create an inclusive and age-friendly society that respects and values their contributions along with everybody else in our community. That's right, Lisa. And these are all things that are really important to us at all stages of our lives, but it becomes even more important as we age. 
Dale, we know that the Australian government is redrafting the Aged Care Act to reflect a rights-based approach. Are you able to shed any light on how this has actually come about? Yeah, absolutely. Like many of the reform activities that are absolutely necessary within aged care, the new rights-based act is a direct result of the Royal Commission into aged care quality and safety. And we know what came out of that report. They found that there is currently no clear statement in the existing aged care act about the basic responsibility of providers to ensure that the care they provide is safe and high quality. Now, that is absolutely a must. So it's easy to see why they're taking this approach and making these changes. The Royal Commission essentially said that our current act is focused on cost control and the transactional relationship between governments and providers, rather than on what outcomes it's trying to achieve for older Australians. So that is quite a staggering finding. And the Royal Commission therefore recommended that the new aged care service system shift away from this provider-centric approach to a rights-based approach that supports older Australians to continue living meaningful lives. Absolutely, Dale. So the new Act will be the foundation of the aged care system into the future that puts older people first and at the centre of their care. The Royal Commission also found that by approaching reform in this way, the interests of people needing or receiving aged care services were embedded in all key aspects of the system. And while we don't yet have the new Aged Care Act, this approach is reflected in much of the reform activities to date. Yeah, that's a great point, Dale. And I think one of the benefits of redrafting the Aged Care Act is that it will build confidence in, in the aged care system as well. And, and just on your last point, I mean, I think if we reflect on the current reforms in a very practical sense, a rights-based approach is really driving policy development. So as the department is thinking about pricing, service types and what assessment looks like, it's driving program administration. So reforms around reporting and technology and data associated with aged care. It'll govern the regulatory framework. So for example, the strengthened aged care quality standards, new requirements around organisation and worker registrations. And if we think about also the serious incident response reporting scheme that was introduced recently. A rights-based approach will also drive our workforce. So it forces us to think about training, qualification requirements. Uh, they're looking at minimum English language skills and potentially also inform the approach taken by providers to their internal governance arrangements. So this includes things like the makeup of boards. So who's on the board and their experience qualifications, the need to ensure that consumer advisory bodies are established within organisations. So this is really about a focus on quality improvement and delivery of high quality services. That's right, Lisa. 
And within this context, I just mentioned the strengthened aged care quality standards, but I think it's also important for our listeners to understand the relationship between a rights-based approach and these strengthened quality standards. Do you agree, Dale? Yeah, absolutely, Lisa. And I think for many of our listeners, they will be aware that the aged care quality standards have been through a review and a testing process. And the strengthened standards are expected to come into effect from the 1st of July, 2024. So the process of updating these standards involved consideration of a rights-based approach and a number of requirements within the standards have been clarified to reflect this. So a rights-based approach and the aged care quality standards are inherently intertwined, both aiming to ensure the highest quality of care and respect for the rights and dignity of older individuals. And I think the point that you're making about how embedded a rights-based approach is within all the different elements, whether it's funding or training, minimum requirements, that's the exact approach that we would want so that a rights-based approach is embedded in everything to do with the aged care process and that older people therefore benefit from that. Absolutely, Dale. I totally agree. And, you know, I suppose just thinking on that kind of approach, I'm just interested to hear whether you've got a couple of examples of how a rights-based approach and our quality systems might align. Yeah, sure. So we've already spoken today about how a rights-based approach emphasises the dignity and autonomy of individuals. Equally, the strengthened quality standards, particularly standard one, which focuses on the person, also emphasises the importance of respecting the autonomy and dignity of older people. So both the rights-based approach and the quality standards prioritise treating older individuals with respect and allowing them to make decisions about their own lives. We also know that a rights-based approach focuses on the individual's needs, preferences, and choices. And again, quality standard one in particular encourages person-centered care, ensuring that care plans are tailored to the individual's specific requirements and their preferences. Absolutely, Dale. These are really clear standouts of where the two align. And of course, a rice-based approach advocates for ensuring that older people have access to necessary services and supports to ensure that they're able to maintain their well-being. And if we think about the new standard three, which focuses on services and supports, this really aligns with the principles. So it's aiming to provide a range of services to meet the diverse needs of older people. And that includes things around healthcare, social support and assistance with daily living. I think another area where the ideas intersect is also around safeguarding older people from abuse, neglect and discrimination. And I mean, you spoke earlier about a rights-based approach, which is about ensuring protection from mistreatment. And so while the quality standards in aged care require measures to prevent and address any form of abuse and discrimination, so there's certainly uh, an interplay between those areas. 
And of course, many of our listeners today will be familiar with the introduction of the Serious Incident Response Scheme, which came into effect in late 2022. So that's just kind of one example of where consideration around a rights-based approach has, has probably been taken. That's right, Lisa. There's already significant change happening to strengthen the quality standards being introduced as part of the new regulatory framework. And this places significant emphasis on ongoing improvement and accountability. Similarly, a rights-based approach requires continuous efforts to enhance the quality of care and ensure accountability for upholding the rights for older individuals. By integrating a rights-based approach into aged care, institutions and service providers can ensure that care is not just compliant with the quality standards, but is also respectful of the fundamental rights of older individuals, promoting a higher quality of life and care within the sector are safeguarded. So Dale, how do we envisage that the new rights-based act and approach uh, will improve the quality of aged care? Yeah, I think that's a really important question because what we really know is that from this rights-based approach being implemented, providers will have to take a holistic and individual view of each older person and their needs, including their physical, emotional, social and spiritual needs. So the idea of all older people getting the same service is completely gone. We've been talking about inclusive person-centered care for a long time, and this is a great step in ensuring all aged care services are tailored to the unique preferences and circumstances of each older person. But more broadly, the new rights-based approach will strengthen accountability mechanisms to address instances of abuse, neglect, or substandard care, and to promote transparency, accountability, and standards of care to protect the rights and well-being of older people. And this is really important because this was a failing that was found through the Royal Commission. Absolutely, Dale. A rights-based approach will also promote ongoing education and training for aged care professionals to ensure they are knowledgeable about a rights-based approach and best practice, but beyond being knowledgeable, that they can actually deliver what is required of a rights-based approach. Absolutely. That's uh, a great insights into the value of implementing a rights-based approach. And obviously what we all want to see uh, is improved quality of care across the whole of the aged care sector. Dale, we know the department has already released some draft material around the new Aged Care Act, uh, but we also understand that some draft subordinate legislation is planned for release in late 2023. What advice would you give to providers or individuals who may want to engage with this consultation process around the, the new Act? Absolutely. And I can't stress strongly enough how important it is for people to engage in this process. If you're working in the aged care sector and you're delivering services, this is your industry. You want to be engaged. You need to find out as much as you can. So review the material that's been released to date and keep an eye out for further consultations 
that's expected in December 2023. It can seem overwhelming, but it's better to be on the journey as early as possible rather than coming in after all the changes have been decided and need to be implemented. Yeah, great advice, Dale. And this really is a, a generational change. Like it's it's very significant. So I think it's something that's really important for people to be involved in. And of course, in addition to getting involved in the consultation process, I think organisations and individuals can be educating themselves about the rights of older people, building their own knowledge and sharing that knowledge with others. And, you know, that might involve having discussions with colleagues or at team meetings, perhaps engaging with advocacy organisations or initiatives that promote the rights and well-being of older people. I'm just thinking OPAN comes to mind as one of the peak advocacy organisations in the aged care space. I think it's really important that organisational leaders engage in dialogue with policymakers in their organisations and with staff to really raise awareness and lead discussion to influence kind of positive change around what is to come. Essentially, it's really important that we all understand that we have a role in protecting and promoting human rights, and that's irrespective of your position in the organisation and where you sit. Absolutely, Lisa. I just couldn't agree more, and I think it's such good advice for people to to get and really encourage them to take that on board. Because while governments have the primary responsibility for protecting and promoting human rights, they don't have the sole responsibility. Within aged care, service providers and individuals, you and I and volunteers who work in the aged care area, will be charged with being responsible for promoting and respecting human rights and applying a rights-based approach when supporting older people within our services and our programs. And of course, to continue supporting quality improvement and initiatives that prioritise person-centred care and the fulfilment of older people's rights. Thanks, Dale. I think that's a really great point to finish up on. And we do hope our listeners take the opportunity to, to learn more and get involved in consultations that are coming your way. We hope that you join us next time as we continue to explore ways to empower and support older people within our communities and those that we work with. But I just wanted to leave you with the thought that it's not just about ageing, it really is about ageing with dignity and rights. Thanks, Dale, for joining me and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Lisa. If our listeners today are interested, you can access our diversity and wellness resources at the Eastern Sector Development Team website at www.esdt.com.au. The Eastern Sector Development Team is supported by the Australian Government, Department of Health, and although funding has been provided by the Australian Government, the materials and comments made does not necessarily represent the views or the policies of the Australian Government.